Ladies and gentlemen, it's doctors Kevin Redfern, Pat Fortuna, and Joey Vaca administering your weekly dose of three guys, one mic. We are presented by Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com, now streaming on podcast platforms, but it's the absolute best way to start your weekend, so thanks for doing it with us. Fellas, good morning. How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I rolled out of bed about 15 minutes ago. Uh, I meant to get up at 9.15, my alarm went off, and I said this isn't happening, so... Here we are. It's going to be a lot harder when we're back in studio and like I actually have to get up at 6 a.m. and go to Phoenix. Um, but this is fine. I'm happy. Yeah, once I found out about the whole Dr. Fortuna thing, I mean, nothing scarier than having Pat ask you to cough. So that was... <laughs> Hernia check for, uh, yeah, for Pat. Po- possibly one of the scariest things I've heard. Yeah, I, congratulations, guys, by the way. We are in the self-administered titles of doctor. Just kind of felt like that this morning. Masters of coronavirus. But the people need their three guys, one mic. So who better to administer their weekly doses than three doctors? <laughs> Dr. Fortuna, Dr. Redford, and Dr. Volta. Right. Thank you to our international listeners. Thanks for tuning yeah, in today. Yeah. So if you're listening out there, we just want to say that we really do appreciate all our listeners. And especially the ones on the other side of the globe, because apparently 4% of our audience is in India and another 4% is in, what was it, Singapore? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of amazing. Let's yeah, see. I mean, that's, I, I don't know what their appeal to listen to us is. I wonder if there's a Dave and Busters in Singapore or India that will host our Halloween special. Oh, we should... Spring break trip to Singapore, guys. Mm-hmm. Singapore, we're, we're trying, Saudi Arabia, back home. Yes, we're trying to figure out where to go for spring break. And now it's between Singapore, Saudi Arabia, maybe India, and then mm-hmm. back home. We've also got listeners in Texas, Washington, and Michigan. That's pretty cool. I don't well, I know for a fact that we have... So I don't think the Redfern family's supporters of three guys one mic. I, I guess not. I guess not. Do we have uh, any Massachusetts? There's, there's Massachusetts. There we go. California. That's See, what I'm saying. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the uh, Redfern I don't know if, family's too high on three guys. Maybe I don't know if they know how to. I don't know if they know how to hear, like <laughs> headphones and stuff. So, yeah. Maybe when you go home, Doctor Redfern, you can fix that. Yeah. I got so, a couple appointments first, but yep. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So how would you do it in the waiting room? Would you go by appointment or first come, first serve? <laughs> I would go by appointment, but case-by-case case basis, obviously. I mean, if so you're – So if they're not cool, then – So give it a 10-minute cap. If they if they haven't been there in 10 minutes, then next up. Bye, sign I think sign that's in. reasonable. Yep. So despite not – or even if you have an appointment, you got to sign in when you get there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's a busy week of sports – as it's continued to be all fall after, you know, the coronavirus shut down everything in the spring. It's all kind of piled up in the fall. We had two games on Monday again. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of felt like a quiet coronavirus week in the NFL. I haven't heard too much coming out of yeah, the Yeah, there was – the Go one ahead. I've heard was Joey Sly, the kicker out of Carolina, was pushed uh, – pushed. 
put on their COVID-19 dash slash reserve list. Yeah, he was so, their only positive test for now. I mean, so that was a positive test. That wasn't like a family member or anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No more, no more positives out of Carolina. So they're they're on track to play in New Orleans on Sunday. That's awesome. Now, granted, it's still Wednesday, and I wouldn't be surprised if I heard something by the end of the week. But this is kind of a good sign because this is kind of two weeks ago what we were talking about that. Ultimately, I mean, even the Patriots have settled down. It's going to get to a point where it's all going to start to level out and teams are going to find better ways to handle these situations and it's going to rope itself back in. And I think in the frenzy that was two weeks ago, everybody got nervous and I connected that to what happened at the beginning of the baseball season. Yeah, so let me, uh, first of all, I want to say, look at that, more teams with positive tests. Like I said, it's going to happen, and it happened in week four. Now, I don't want to start another argument. I don't want to do it. I'm sick of fighting with you guys. It makes me sad. But there's been more positive tests from more teams because it's bound to happen. And also, uh, I I also just want to go back to something really quickly. Uh, I was talking to my dad yesterday because he listens to the shows, like, later in the week. Unlike the reference. Right. I was talking to my dad yesterday, uh, and he listened to him, the show literally yesterday, and he goes, uh, hey, you should put a soundbite at the start of the show of Kevin going, I can't see the Packers losing a game. I see them going 16-0. and 0. And then you're, you're on. That's a completely taken out of context quote, Mr. Fortuna. I said, <laughs> I would not be surprised. I said, if it were to happen, I would not be taken aback. And, yeah, I said that a couple times, and that was the first thing I thought of on Sunday afternoon, actually. Oh, man. Anyways, back to COVID. Look at that. More teams testing positive. It happens. It's going to happen. We're going to have to live with it. But I don't necessarily think it's teams breaking protocol. I think think it's happening. So now I got to make something clear. You're kind of just starting to realize exactly what Kevin and I were saying. That this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, what, what, what are we doing here? There's, lot, there's less point. teams. Exactly. Less teams than there were two weeks ago with positive Exactly. Tests. And you know what? That's our point exactly. It's going to happen. And we're going to learn to live with it. But the thing is, let's not break the league for one team. And we never said that everyone should be punished. The whole breaking protocol thing was, I brought up a point that I had heard, if teams are found to break protocol and games can't be rescheduled, at some point there might be some form of punishment, which I still don't necessarily disagree with. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you finally see our point because you just re, re-emphasized our point exactly. So yeah, do- we're going to have to learn to live with it. So thank you for, you know, finally seeing our logic. <laughs> right. Did you guys see the... Um what they're doing with the Titans. So they're not taking draft picks. They're not suspending players. They're not making them forfeit, but they are going to find them. If, if that's good. Know. I mean, yeah. I think for the past two weeks, they're going to find some fine to implement. So hey, thanks NFL for going to Liam Neeson on, on the Titans. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's going to do a whole lot. It's something I don't love the idea of taking draft picks. I think that's just too much. The NFL's always holding draft picks over everyone's head. They held them over the Patriots for 10 years. They do it with the COVID masks. They're doing it now with the COVID positive test. They, I, they always, that's always like, oh, watch out. We're going to take your draft picks. But they draft, don't. draft picks are such a stupid thing to threaten when it comes to these protocols because you're willing, you're willing to like 
totally break the whole system on draft night because like I don't know Bill Belichick's mask wasn't covering his nose or something like it's just I don't I don't think that and for I don't think I think the forfeitures should like be something as a result of not being able to reschedule should teams break protocols in an egregious way I was reading that should be right off the bat. I was reading a tweet and I can't remember who it was. I wish I could credit them. I think it might've been Pat McAfee that was saying that the NFL has hotels and Tampa Bay essentially reserved the city of Tampa reserved for like two weeks in the beginning of February. There's fluidity between when they can have that Super Bowl in a couple in like a 14 day span. So I think before any cancellations before all that, we could just see a, a, you know, realignment of schedule or playoffs or maybe push back another week if they need to throw in a, another regular season week it would just be a a, a, a travel buffer I guess but in, in in COVID in the COVID era fans and and teams alike I think when we signed up for this NFL season there was kind of the fine print that says subject change and there ha- there might need to be a little bit more fluidity within it so I, I'm still not uh I would think that's the kind of next uh, course of action if something were to happen. I've heard some people talk about whisperings of a potential mid-February Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell I, you what. I don't think anyone would really complain either. Nope. Nope. Because you know what? It's that or it's no football. So give me anything. I'll tell you what, though. This starts to become very interesting because put yourself in the position of a team at the, with the one seed. And now they are the sole uh, – they are the team in sole possession of a first-round bye. And if this season starts to get pushed back, and maybe what if that buy all of a sudden turns into two, maybe three weeks, and it ends up kind of being more of a disadvantage than an advantage, being away from football for three weeks in the most important part of the season. I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. If the season gets stretched out and number one seeds buy, which is supposed to be an advantage, ends up being elongated, what do you think the implications of that are? Well, so – I, I, that's what I've been saying they should have done to begin with was they should have put a couple weeks of wiggle room at the end of the season and, and teams should have had to have that as an understanding going into this year that if need be, like you might have an extended period of time off before you play your playoff game based on how COVID goes and how many games we have to cancel. So I like the idea of, of, you know, giving that wiggle room, because when you don't have that, you're putting the whole, not the whole season, but you're putting a lot of teams in jeopardy there. And a lot of teams deserve that same opportunity to opportunity to play that the teams who don't get affected by COVID have. So Kevin, stop it. What is, what is so wrong with what I just said? What is so wrong with what I just said? Please unmute yourself. I don't think that the teams who play 16 games on their regular schedule are they had some sort of privilege granted to them by some third party football god. No, that's not what they I'm weren't saying. they that's were provided some opportunity that the other teams who had missed games or rescheduled games because of COVID didn't have. Right. But I'm saying should those teams who had to reschedule be put at a disadvantage? No, and they won't be. Right. So that's what I'm saying. That wiggle room is good. We're all on the same page here. Whether or not we want to be, we are. Um, that's what we've been for weeks. That's what I we've been trying to tell you. understand. But 
we need those few extra weeks of wiggle room to make this season work. And I think that should have been made clearer going into the season. Personally, I brought that topic up as like a worst case scenario. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, certainly because I think the NFLPA would push hard against it. The players, uh, this impacts everyone pretty neutrally except for the players. I mean, they kind of, if you talk, if you look at those college players who have a month off between their conference championship and their bowl game, they hate that. That that it's not good to have a month off of football and to kind of let that stagnation build up within your club. It's not good, especially if you're one seed. You want to ride your hot hand. Like there's, it's it's as simple as that. Uh, but like you said, Pat, I mean, the players essentially signed away their preferences at the beginning of the year. Uh, to me, though, it like I said, it's I think it's more of a worst case scenario. I think they're going to do everything in their power to keep the schedule as it is right now, because if they were to change it, it's a matter of dollar signs and they would lose them. Now, I want you to take off your sports journalism hat and put on your fan hat as a fan of a team that's potentially that number one seed in the NFC, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Let's pretend for the sake of discussion that a first-round bye turns into a three-week gap before they play their first playoff game. What are your thoughts as a fan? Livid, absolutely livid, because I know that Aaron Rodgers would absolutely hate that thing. Anything out of the ordinary, he's come out and said publicly that he would very much despise. He, would hate, he says that he would hate a bubble. He would, I'm, I'm assuming, hate a long extended period of time. There, one week bye is good enough. The Packers are also getting outscored like 60 to 17 coming off a bye in the last two years. So I'm not sure that they necessarily want another week of game planning uh, on top of one that they might potentially get. But yeah, I, as a, in, a, <clears throat> in a fan scenario, I would want A-Rod 12 to be as comfortable as possible, which would be so, riding the hot hand. So you just said that he's talked about not wanting to be in a bubble in a situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. So that, that brings up an interesting point, and we've touched on this when it comes to baseball. Now, the NBA bubble will be something that goes down in not just sports history, but probably history and how they overcame a pandemic and did it absolutely perfectly in a time where there was a lot of uncertainty, right? We know a lot more now than we did when the NBA bubble was kind of, you know, when that plan was first laid down. We've seen an MLB regular season be played out with travel, we've seen six weeks of an NFL season be played out with travel. It starts to beg the question, I feel like, if these seasons are played out without any drastic uh, circumstances, I'm not so sure that I understand the, the necessity to go into a bubble at the end if it's going to make everything crazy. Now, it's been fine for baseball, but I bet you these players would love to be in their home ballparks. And I think – if we have a bubble in the NFL, I think the same is going to be true. What do you guys think about that? Because it's like if they play an entire season with no problems and then just go to the bubble in the playoffs because they feel like they have to, I don't know that the players are going to be too fond of that. Well, so no matter what, I like the idea of a neutral site in a sporting events. Uh, well, in, a, in so not every sporting event, but in a team like – or in a sport like football where it's one game elimination, I like the idea of a neutral site. If at the end or like 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 the Super Bowl? Yes, like the Super Bowl. Okay. I 
make yourself clear because do you mean you like neutral sites? Yeah, I was going to say, card? you're trying to tell a team that just went 15-1 and one that they don't get home playoff games because that's messed do you up. Mean but no. But a Super Bowl, yeah. Well, so here, let me, let, me, let me rephrase. It would be nice to be able to see that because then it's team against team. It's not, it's not about, you know, that, that crowd advantage. That's what I know. That's this, is, this is professional sports, my man. I know. It's a big part of sports. But let me, let me finish what I, where I was going with that. Um, I, don't, I don't like it for things like baseball where there's a neutral site, like good friend of the show. And also my roommate, Dominic Stern just went to the NLCS and he's a Padres fan. He had no stake in that. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of lame. Whereas, you know, the, 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 the neutral site is not providing any real advantage. Um, but there were a lot of Dodger fans there. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to need one for football because come February, I'm hoping things are better. I mean, I don't want to say that at all right now because in March I said I hope things are better by September and they're not. So I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but hopefully by February things are better and we can just watch football the way it's supposed to be. In March, our good friend of the show, Dominic Stern, said the coronavirus is nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He did. At some point, we're going to have to find that soundbite. So I was talking with Kevin the other night because I was watching SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt, which is like so awesome because he's just got this soundboard and he'll just like randomly hit buttons in the middle of like highlights. And he's just got like these little sound bites that are hilarious. So it's like we're the the Dolphins and the Jets and, you know, there's this this play and he's doing the highlights. Then all of a sudden you just hear, I like turtles, like in the middle of the thing. His show is so funny because of those little sound. Many a time I have woken up in the middle of the night in my living room to Scott Van Pelt playing when I fell asleep during Sunday or Monday night football. It's awesome. Oh, dude, because Monday night football starts at like 8.30 at night. Yeah, it starts at 8.30 for us. So I wake up at like 12.30 with Scott Van Pelt blasting. Ah, uh, me, me on my couch watching Scott Van Pelt at a nice 9.30. At a oh. crisp 9.30. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so we need one of those for our show where we can just be like, dumb. The coronavirus is really nothing. Yeah, no, you, you can do that stuff really easily if you're in a radio studio. You could, uh, you could just throw it on a board and click a button. Yeah, on Zoom, it's a little bit difficult. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that's not that hard to do if you have the right equipment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I always thought that for our show, we should have a soundboard from the second it started. I just, you know, so you could just press a button. Like, oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we did. No, we did. We had a soundboard. Now we don't. <laughs> now yeah. we have Zoom. Do you yeah. mean to tell me that you're, uh, in apartment 558 bedroom C, there's no soundboard? No, no, there's not. There's one a couple blocks down, but uh, I, I've been told for some reason, like, well, we're just not allowed to use it anymore. Boom, boom, boom. I wonder what that is. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, speaking of sound bites, we're watching this show, and they're showing highlights from the Dolphins Jets game, and Tua makes his debut, and Scott Van Punk goes, and who is that man? And he presses this soundbite, and it's some guy going, Tua Tagaviola. <laughs> <laughs> and it just sent me. 
Because it was just so funny. He's just saying, he's like, who is that man? To attack Viola. So I don't know where that's from or who says that, but I want to find that and I want to save that. Because I would love to have that soundbite when we get in the studio. Accessible. Wait, Speaking hold on. We are? We are? Oh, no. Oh, no. I was going to ask when. No, nah, we're probably weeks out. Okay. Shooting for January. January? 2022? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Fingers crossed to get in before we graduate. Mind you, we're class of 2023. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyways, keep going, please. And I wanted to talk about Tua's debut. And um, now, breaking news yesterday, the 3-3 three and three second place in the AFC East Miami Dolphins, ahead of the 2-3 and three New England Patriots, but we're not really worried about that right now. They named Tua Tagoviola their starter going forward as a team that quite honestly could compete for a wild card in the AFC. And I am just so tired of this because it's so overblown. The Tua hype. I'm just not buying. I, I have a lot of words about this that I would like to share. And, and you go first. Cause then I can the show. This, Cause then I can uh, see what you're saying and then say the opposite. Right. Tua. I've said this since he was coming out of college is not going to be a star in the NFL. He's not. He's just not. I'm happy you went this route because now mine makes more sense logically. I can actually speak my mind, not make sense. I like Tua. He'll be a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, but also it makes no sense to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick where they are right now. They are 3-3. and That's good for Miami. They are like, oh, people said we should be good, so we should be better right now. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're winning football games. They decimated the 49ers. They decimated the Jets. Granted, it's the Jets, but they decimated them. And they put Tua in at the two-minute warning, and Dom goes, Tua is in. Tua is in. He, he, like, rips the remote from me. He's trying to change it to, to get the, the, the Dolphin game on. And I'm like, dude, he's going to hand the ball off a couple times, then kneel. Like, it's two minutes left. They're killing him. So I didn't even put the game on. I didn't even watch it. Good for Tua. He had a near career-ending injury. He's back. I think he'll be a good player, but I don't think he'll be, you know, the next Kyler Murray, the next Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be that good. But, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, last time he started 16 games was in – Sorry, one second. It was in 2015 with the Jets. They started off four and one. You know what they did in their next five games? What'd they do? One and four. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I could definitely find another season that's just like this. When he's plugged in to a starting role, granted this is his second in Miami, he often goes guns blazing. For two years, for the first half of the season, he was a top three fantasy quarterback, throwing 400 yards, five touchdowns. I've said this a couple of times now. And then week seven, week eight, week nine rolls around, and Ryan Fitzpatrick suddenly getting talked about being replaced by his rookie or second year successor. This stuff is a broken record. And then when Brian Flores is a ballsy coach, and he's an offensive guy, and he sees – right now that coming forward, if this team is going to form an identity, it's going to be with Tua Tagovailoa. When you talk about Tua as a prospect and why you don't understand why 
two is being talked about this and you don't think that two is going to have the, the prowess that maybe some other that even Justin Herbert's had Tua stepped in and won a national championship as a freshman, as a backup, exactly what he's been asked to do right now. What's different from him as a collegiate prospect level than Trevor Lawrence? Well, Tua had his hip shattered last year. From a, from a prospect standpoint, and by the way, he's at 100% cleared by multiple doctors. Well, I mean, that so he throws Alex. lefty, that he throws lefty, because he didn't get hurt that year. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what? You're frying me right now. Okay? On, paper, no, so- on paper, he's the exact same prospect as Trevor Lawrence with a hip injury, and he throws lefty. So look, They have the same I'm- accolades. They recruited the same, and they have the same universal – talent level expectations in the NFL. There's a All reason the- Tua went number two and then Herbert fell that far. Wasn't Herbert picked? I think Herbert was picked like the next pick. Tua went five. Or, yeah, went five, yeah. The second quarterback, I mean. Yes. And so yeah, I guess that far was not the right. Yeah. <laughs> Less about Tua, more about the situation. I just think Miami's making the call to the bullpen too early. I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick peters off, but if he's not yet, don't make the switch. That's just my opinion. Thank you. You can't preempt it. Yes. If it, I mean, if it's going to happen, you said the next five games he went one and four. <clears throat> just if they're winning football games, because I think they've won three of their last four, that's much better. And then if he loses a game, evaluate. And if he loses another game, then boom, because right now they're exceeding expectations. And no, the fan base would not be disappointed if they're still in a position that's competitive for that wild card spot. That extra wild card means so much more now for teams like the Miami Dolphins. They don't need to make the switch yet. They don't need to. And the thing is, I understand that two is so talented. This could work out beautifully and they could get a spot. But being thrust into a situation where now they're vying for a potential playoff spot, this could go disastrously wrong. Because at the end of the day, he's still a rookie quarterback in the National Football League. And this could completely blow up in their face. It's just possible. you got to evaluate all options. Go ahead. Three things. We'll go in reverse order. One, Dolphins have an improving in top half of the offensive – or top half of the league offensive line. If anything's going to go disastrously wrong, it would be a Tua injury. I don't think anything Tua can do when he steps in as a starter could go disastrously wrong because – if anything goes awry, Fitzpatrick's in there the next week, and you're developing your first round or your first round NFL quarterback for next year. The second thing is we're evaluating this thing on the fly as it happens. We didn't think Tua was going to be plugged in that game against the Jets last week. We had no idea that they were going to announce him as a starter this week. So we talk about this as it happens, as it adapts. I said this yesterday on the Earth is a Ball podcast, and I believe it to be true. The Dolphins. They did get their buy mixed up in the schedule realignment that happened two weeks ago. But there's no doubt in my mind, based on what they've said, bringing out to his starter, that they had their bye week circled. And they said, we're reevaluating quarterback situation at X week. And this is the criteria that's going to happen if we're going to start Tua. And Fitzpatrick has to do this if he wants to remain the starter. And obviously, whatever, even though Fitzpatrick performed at his very high level, 
they see something and they saw something and they also see Tua in practice every day that they are confident enough to pull the trigger on this. So I have no option but to believe the Dolphins and give them the benefit of the doubt because this is a massive franchise decision and I don't think that it would happen if it wasn't severely calculated. And the third thing I forgot. Nice. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because I know that there's so much that goes into these decisions. I'm just really trying to look at it from every angle. And I just, it's, it's a hard sell to me because the position that they're in right now is so much better than what they expected to be. I think at the beginning of the year, I mean, go ahead. Brian Flores is still a young coach. He's a, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Is he first year or second year coach? I think he's a first year. Second Second year coach. I've got a first year general manager. Look at Nick Foles in Chicago. Granted, he's not a rookie. He's a very experienced quarterback. They plugged in Nick Foles at a weird time, too, this year. Mitch Trubisky had just had two fourth-quarter comebacks and was throwing for 300 yards and clutch touchdowns in the fourth. But there's no denial among the Chicago Bears franchise community fan base whatsoever that Nick Foles is a better fit for Matt Nagy's offense. And that's another argument I'm seeing, that Tua Tagovailoa is a better fit and the offense is able to open up a little bit more when he gets into the game because he has that arm strength and he is able to roll out left, which they, for that three plays that he was in, the three passes that he was in, they rolled out two plays that hadn't been seen all season yet. So when you open up the offense to a guy that's more tailored to it, oftentimes it works out. So from that standpoint, I because I, I was going to say at first that I don't love the Nick Foles comparison, but that does make sense. This is all conversations based on hugely hypotheticals, and I liked how you said that we're going on the fly because the way this kind of came out, it was on the fly. But I think over the course of the next two weeks, this is going to be beaten to death by everyone at this school and the media because they have their bye week coming up. But, I mean, this is still – I mean, it's an evolving situation. That's how the NFL works. And what do they have in two weeks? And, and the, and the question is going to be answered immediately when he sees Aaron Donald in his face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, 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 shout out to the Dolphins for keeping things interesting in the AFC East. Sorry, Pat. Hey, and they learned. haven't even – and the Dolphins haven't even gotten their guaranteed season win over the Patriots this season. That's yeah. true. But if we win our next two, we're on top. That's all I'm saying. If we win our next two, we're on top, the Patriots. We got to beat the Bills and the Niners. Mm. Oof. And then we're on top of the Oof. AFC. Think, think. The reason we lost last week was because we have one practice in two weeks. On the bright side, Cam Newton dove on the ball. Yeah. Spin zone, though. I said this last week. Players love not practicing. Feel That's good. true. Feel good. Feel fresh. Play good. I, real yeah. quick, back to the Tua thing, because I, wanted, I couldn't remember what I wanted to say, but Kevin, do you know what the first 12 is in football? Is it your first 12 plays, your script? It's scripted. Yeah. Probably on Tuesday. And what every coach says is these are the first 12 plays no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. And you you brought up an interesting point about the bye week. So regardless of situation, sometimes the people in the big chairs making the decisions have kind of those plans for their season. And I think Miami's in an interesting position where they can pull that off because expectations were so low that works in their favor. Anything, I think like anything 500 or better is exceeding expectations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing was supposed to happen. And that, and that 
very possibly could mean a playoff spot. Yeah, with an extra spot. Absolutely. I want to get on some World Series talk real quick. Wait, so. hold on. Before we switch off of NFL, can I read this tweet that I just got? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was Odell Beckham Jr. worried? Oh, no. I oh, I saw it. this. Did about the this? COVID, about how he can't let it enter. Yeah, him. yeah, He's yeah. Strong. yeah. Was, was Odell Beckham Jr. worried when he was sick last week that he had COVID? No, not in an arrogant way. This is a quote. I don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want no parts of it. It don't want no parts of me. It's a mutual respect. Yeah, he's got that type O blood. It doesn't it doesn't the type O blood there BGA blood. Yeah, respect. exactly. Respect. Hey, respect, bro. <laughs> so <laughs> last night the Dodgers took a 1-0 lead in the World Series over the Tampa Bay Rays with an awesome performance by Clayton Kershaw. Through six innings pitched, he only allowed two hits, one run. He walked a guy and had I think eight strikeouts. So they gave the ball to Clayton Kershaw in game one of the World Series, biggest stage, and he delivered. He did everything that was asked of him. And the Dodgers get the 8-3 win. Interesting fact about this World Series, the winner, there's more on the line than just the World Series championship because the winner of this series creates a city of champions. The Los Angeles Lakers were the 2020 NBA Finals champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning of the NHL were the 2020 Stanley Cup champions. So now the winner of this World Series brings a second championship to their city in one year. Now, most recently this happened in 2018, or the 2018 season, when, yeah, when the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots both took home their respective championships. But I want to see if you guys... And the Bruins went to Game 7 and blew it. Sorry. <laughs> Now, this isn't a, a middle section or anything, but I do want to see if you guys can try to remember a little tidbit of sports trivia, some other situations where this has happened. Because it doesn't happen too often. I genuinely any, cannot. Any random guesses? Uh, if things go the flip side, it'll be the same in Tampa. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said that with the lightning. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also like the Oh, you did? That, yeah. Oh, the Buccaneers. shoot. Sorry. I'm not, just, I'm not just plugging the Lakers. Don't worry. I but said – I said it's a city of champions on the line. Yeah, no matter what, it's a city of champions. Um, I And I also really like the Buccaneers odds. So that would be crazy for Tampa Bay. Uh, an absolutely, other than hockey, irrelevant sports city up until the past year or so, to see them win three championships, that would be insane. That, they don't would, have a basketball team. so You're right. That would be pretty cool. So, do you guys have just no guesses at all? No. Do you know them? Do you have like yeah, a yeah? Yeah. Hold up. Wait. Here. Wait. Give me. Can we like talk about this for thirty seconds? So I can yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. I genuinely I have no idea, but uh, I know Boston did it. That was pretty lit. We would have gotten a thirty for thirty if we won three championships. Yeah. Um, so most recently, Boston did it in two thousand eighteen. Right. Cleveland was you know a runaway or something in two thousand sixteen when the Cavaliers took home the NBA Finals. And the Indians lost Game Seven at home of the World Series. Did the did Boston do it in two thousand four? I was gonna I was gonna say Boston again sometime That's right. in two thousand. Good job, yeah. Pat. The Red Sox and the Patriots both won their respective championships yeah. in two thousand four. Now there was one, there was a city, not Boston, in between two thousand four and two thousand eighteen that did it. Okay, here let me think then, because that's a little more recent. Uh, St. Louis, no, I don't know. I guess the Cardinals last week. Oh, is it home. San Francisco, the Giants, and the 49ers? It is not. Okay. The 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl this century. I don't think. 
Oh, yeah, you're right. They've just been. I was going to say Baltimore. That's just plain wrong. Um, <laughs> you're awfully close. Am I? Uh, oh, is it the the, the Capitals? Oh, no. No, the Nationals and Capitals. 2019. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, we're, on yeah. that, we're in that region of the country. Oh, man. Now, this list only has four, so there could be more times, but I'm going off of this list. I don't know. I'm out. In the southeast or more like upper no, east? No, like, like northeast. It's central northeast, so like the middle part of the east coast. Eh, northeast. It's a, Are we it's, counting college in this? Yeah, I was no, going to say. Is no, it like no, the no. Virginia Cavaliers? And right, Alpha? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, what is it? I don't know. I'll give you a hint. One's on the ice and one's on the grass. Okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if I give you the year, will you maybe get it? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. 2009. Oh. Oh. Um, the Flyers and the Phillies. No. Oh, 2008. Penguins and the Pirates. No. No. The, <laughs> no. no Penguins and the Steelers. Penguins and the Steelers. Yes. 2009. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. both won the championship. Really? Now there's one more. And I have been talking to Kevin about this for weeks because I watch SportsCenter and I'm like, for some reason, ESPN this year has loved to make comparisons to the 1988 Dodgers. I don't know what the deal is, but they love looking at this Dodgers team and being like, oh, and they love to compare it to 1988. The Los Angeles Lakers and Dodgers both won championships in 1988. So that was another instance in which uh, a city took home multiple championships. The Lakers did their job, and now the Dodgers are playing in the World Series. So we could have a repeat of 88, the Lakers and the Dodgers both winning. Crazy. Yeah, um, I think that was an interesting little stat or fact. I, yeah, that's, I had no idea. Yeah. Now, segueing to our middle section, it's spooky season in Phoenix, Arizona, as we're inch closer to Halloween than the Dave and Buster's Three Guys special. But <laughs> before we get there, Pat, you had mentioned that one of your favorite things about this time of year is being able to watch scary movies. Yes. So we're kind of going to do an open forum when it comes to scary movies, talk about our favorites and some of what's scariest. So why don't you, why don't you get us kicked off? in this scary movie conversation. All right, so I'll start with um I'll do a, I'll do two here and I'll talk about scariest. Um so actually just the other night for the first time in years I watched Insidious. And that movie, I you know what? I love scary movies. They don't scare me, they entertain me, they pull me in cuz I love everything supernatural. I believe in the supernatural world. I believe in demons, you know, all that craziness. And Insidious genuinely scares me like watching that movie i'm like hmm. especially uh when patrick wilson's character goes into the further and yeah that and then when there's uh there's that family of like the almost like porcelain dolls there's the guy whistling and then like the woman like kills them all uh, i fantastic pick yeah thank you that movie's you. awesome because I, 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 so I'll tell you a little story. I loved horror growing up. I've loved horror since I was maybe 11 or 12. Insidious came out in 2010. I was too young to watch it when it came out, right? So I was home alone one day in middle school. I think I was in seventh grade. I was uh, 13 years old and I was sitting home alone. 
In 2010, and you were in seventh grade, 13 years old? No, in uh, a couple of years after that. Oh, Something okay. doesn't quite add <laughs> I, I actually think I was 12. It was 2013. I was sitting home alone. And um, it's like, pick the thing that doesn't work. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I was in seventh grade and I was like, Dad, I'm going to rent a movie. I'm bored. They weren't coming home till a lot later that night. And so I was like, oh, insidious. I love horror, right? And um, I, yeah, I watched it. I was horrified. It was, um, it was one of the scariest times of my life. It's, even from like the very get-go. When that movie starts, it's got like the violin. And, it, and that, like, that's like a reoccurring theme throughout the movie. The movie is terrifying. I haven't been able to listen to Tiny Tim's Tip Throat Through the Tulip since. So that makes me want to watch that movie so bad. You gotta watch them back to back, though. If you don't mind, can I transition into uh, one of mine? Go ahead. The f- I I was gonna say for one of mine, I think I, I was gonna say Insidious Chapter Two, Electric Boogaloo, because yeah. it ties into the. They go back in the further, like in time, into the first one, and it's horrifying. And then you've also got that chick from the hospital who's a dude in the 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 bridal gown, mm-hmm. that guy thing. Uh, oh, I'm gonna have to edit that. That was that guy was horrifying. Yeah, no, that and 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 the end of the movie throws you for a loop. Wait, what happened? Oh, do you remember the twist ending of the first one? I'm gonna spoil it. It came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of the first movie, he's looking at all these pictures. He's like, oh, he's like, I guess I won't be needing these anymore. These and then it's the kid. And he hands him and he hands him back to Elise, the the supernatural lady. And then she notices his hand is like is like all crusty. Oh, because she can see into the the, the right. stuff. Right. She yeah. takes yeah. a picture of him, and it turns out that the old ghost bridal lady possessed him, uh-huh. which sets you up for the sequel. And then he kills her. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Uh huh. So, such a good movie. I'll do we gotta, we gotta watch those. Yeah. Yeah, we we should. I've I've lived Insidious. You know what we got. You know what we need to do. What? So I'll tell you what. Universal's Halloween thing, Halloween Horror Nights, it is like the coolest thing ever. Because all these, you know, there's these things all across the country, right? You go through these mazes at Halloween time. But there's something about when you go to Universal Studios, being able to go into movies, that they do these mazes based off of movies. <laughs> oh, Kevin muted Joey for those listening. No, so I'm just. Saying- I had just discovered that that I could do that, and I had my my thing hovered over it, and then it just clicked on it accidentally. Oh yeah, I bet <laughs> that would be an awesome review because those are sweet. Those are sweet. There's Halloween, like Michael Myers, Poltergeist, like they'll do old ones. Oh, American Horror Stories, terrifying. Walking through American Horror Stories on another level. One of the scariest movies I've ever seen, the first time I ever saw it was last year on Halloween, was The Conjuring. Mm. I'd never seen it. And that was a very scary movie. I was, I was terrified. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that film. One of my favorites that was creepy, but I, I enjoyed watching just from like a fun movie standpoint, was the new uh, It, like the part one and part two. Coming of age movie too. Coming of age story too. I I really enjoyed both of those movies because like not only were they very creepy, but also like they were funny. I thought the visual effects were awesome. Oh. Yeah, so (laughs) the new Halloween. Kevin, we're gonna have to edit just this little part right here. Um when I unmuted and I laughed. So um no, you're right. It's a great, great movie. Um one of my favorites that I should put out there that isn't necessarily like 
as scary. It's very scary. It's a <laughs> it's a Blumhouse movie. Who? Uh, what was it? Can you repeat it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're gonna mute me again. The movie. <laughs> oh. um, wow, this show. This is three mic or three guys, one mic uh, off the rails today. Um, we are goofy. Um, no. So this movie is deli- <laughs> <laughs> This movie is you know deliver what? us. I'm from done. Evil. I'm done. I promise. Deliver us from evil is. An incredibly entertaining movie, scary. So it's a, it's a based on a true story, and it's based on uh, this detective in New York City, uh, NYPD Bronx detective, and um, he starts noticing like there's this weird string of possessions happening throughout the city, and he starts working with uh, a priest and uh, his partner to kind of figure it out, and so the guy who it's based on, actually now Ed and Lorraine Warren from The Conjuring. They have the like New England whatever for the supernatural. Uh, he now works for the New York division of that. The the real guy. So um, museum? it's pretty bizarre. The museum thing. Yeah. So the museum thing, but also like how they used to go and like do exorcisms and stuff. The museum that, that Annabelle that. got out of. <laughs> yeah, that Annabelle got out of. That's why I'm sick of the Conjuring series. The first oh. two Conjuring movies were really really good, and now they've just gone off the rails. Because like when you are gonna base something on a true story. You can't go totally crazy with it, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. So make a it's, it's an unreliable it. narrator then. You know? Yeah, exactly. The, the Conjuring has ruined their their movie ship. So I've only seen the first one, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I like the second one a lot. I also have not seen the second one. Do they tie in together? They they don't. It's I mean, same main characters, Ed and Lorraine. So um, they just go on to another house? They go to, they go to England, actually. And um the second one's in England and terrifying. Um, but okay, I gotta watch Conjuring Two. That's where you know the Nun. Yeah, the Nun, which is another movie that totally ruins the validity of the first two Conjurings, is it comes from the Conjuring Two. Hmm. Um, the Boogaloo. Yes, like Joey Boogaloo. King's in the first Conjuring. <laughs> I went to elementary school with her. Ramona oh, and Beezus. Yeah, so, that's my bad. I just quick side story because I told Kevin this, but uh, yeah, she was in the grade above us at elementary school, and I just remember scrolling through my feed on Twitter, and uh, the like the kissing booth two had just came out, and everybody's going crazy, and this girl from the grade above me just tweeted, and I didn't even follow her, but it got on my feed, just like, I love how uh, the kissing booth girl bullied me in elementary school, and now she's getting gassed up on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's so I'll never forget when you and bullied me. In yeah, the bullies will. The bullies will always get. Well, take this, Joey King. I, I just I'm called you a he, um, <laughs> on accident. Uh, anyways, don't cancel me, please. We're not getting in the studio now. There's there's one week extra on our studio suspension. <laughs> um, no. Uh, what other movies are great? I love the original slashers, Halloween, Nightmare so, on Elm Street. That's what I wanted to talk about because two years ago I watched the new Halloween. Mm-hmm. Had you seen the original? So I've seen parts. Oh, but the new one was so. I knew the story like enough. I had okay. physical anxiety watching the new one. I loved it. It was. You ever ahead. so? <laughs> I don't know if I've explained this to you, Joey, but when I watch horror movies, uh. Especially one like Halloween where it's like a slasher one and there's like one main villain. He's like, you never know where he is. And he's stalking you. His thing is stalking. Right, right. I have this horrible feeling 
that if I were to be running away from Michael Myers or uh, Freddy Krueger or Jason, that like, I don't know what being stabbed felt feels like. So in my head, I can't mm-hmm. like bring that up. I can't imagine that pain. But what I can imagine is them tackling me and just going ham and start tickling me. So like when I watch horror movies, I like I feel like physically anxious that like I'm gonna get tickled. That's a new one. It's that, the, that is a new one. <laughs> I I thought I maybe have told you guys that before, but it show yes. That's fair enough. fair enough. Another great movie that I really enjoy is or well A24 A24 the production company in general they make so a lot of people consider them art housey movies um. And they are, a lot of their movies are, but their horror movies are very, very good. So you got Midsummer, you got Hereditary, you've got The Witch, you've got The Lighthouse. Those movies are all easily, like literally one, two, three, four on the most unsettling, disturbing movies I have ever seen. So I still haven't seen Midsummer all the way through because Ricky got scared and we had to turn it off. <laughs> but um, Hereditary was very unsettling. Yeah. I, I saw that left. movie in theaters, and so when, when the uh, when the poor girl gets her head chopped off, the block knocked off. Uh, what did she do? She's like, and it was like quiet after that. It's like the kid sitting in his car. Yeah, and I just... turned to my friend next to me, and I'm like, I feel ill. Yeah. I, I feel ill. It was horrible. I'm, I'm made... Don't they have to go back and get her head or something? Yeah, no, the head no. He's there for like five days, dude. He's got to go drive back home with the rest of her body in the car. And then he just oh. goes to bed. And he goes to bed and stays awake until he hears his mom go out and find her in the car the next morning. That was horrible. I left it's that... all fake, though. It's a movie. Well, yeah. Right. I left that theater, though, like feeling like unresolved. The ending was just so bizarre. It yeah. didn't quite feel like there was. Um, well, some people like that, like especially people who write for A24 studio movies, like yeah. they've got their weird little niche. Like that guy, Ari Aster, his niche is like uh, folklore, satanic. Because yeah. he did that stuff. in Hereditary. Or yeah. not, he did Hereditary in Midsummer. Yeah. Uh, and then Robert Eggers um, did The Lighthouse and The Witch. He and also Robert... did uh, Good Time, I think, too, right? Yes. I, I believe so. Back check me. Um, Robert, it was the Safety Bros. Yes, 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 yes. So Robert Eggers is more of a slow burn. Uh, you know, some set it in the past, like the 1800s, the 1600s, and make it terrifying, like in the era before phones, before you could call someone if something scary was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his movies are really, really terrifying. The Lighthouse is the most disturbing movie I've ever watched, um, and. Then The Witch is also probably the most second most disturbing movie I've ever watched. So those are some good ones. We're watching The Lighthouse and Insidious soon. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we got it. Let's just have like a horror marathon. I'm in. The Lighthouse, though, you watch it, you need a 45 minute break and then you can do whatever you want after. Like you watch it and like I literally the first time I saw that movie, I saw it with Theo Ash. We went to, a, uh, we had to go to an art house theater and, um, we had to go to an art house theater in Phoenix. The one right down the street from us here? No, no, no. So we had to take an Uber to go see it because it wasn't playing anywhere near us. So we went to one right across the street from, um, have you guys ever been to like Over Easy? It was right across the street from that. So we're there. <clears throat> we're sitting there. We're watching. And I leave and I sit in the Uber and I go, 
Theo, is it okay if we don't talk on the way home? I was like, I'm very disturbed. I was like, I'll call you to talk about it later. Uh, and he was like, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it, uh, it's a disturbing movie, to say the least. I'm I feel like I'm going to throw up right now. <laughs> is it soapbox time? Are we doing our soapboxes? I think so. I think so. Patrick, what do you want the listeners all across the globe to hear this week? What's your message to the world? So last night, I put something on my private Snapchat story, and that was, what should I get for dinner? Oregano's or Jersey Mike's? Some people gave me responsive feedback. They gave me, yes, they, it, Joey did. Uh, I got Oregano's. Sorry, if I, I thought about swiping up, and I would have said Jersey Mike's. Okay, see? Well, I got oregano's because I got very little actual feedback. Uh, I got, you know, um, a lot of, you know, oregano's from the people who actually gave me feedback. And then I also got a lot of pog chungus. I got a lot of, um, people said canes. I got a lot of, I got a lot of bad answers, people. Like, a lot of answers that made no sense and, and had absolutely nothing to do with what I asked. So please, if somebody prompts you to do something, either answer it properly or don't answer at all. I, I, I was so fed up. I just wanted to know what to get for dinner. Luckily, there was an overwhelming majority for oregano's. Uh, shout out oregano's. I can't tell you to go there because apparently that's illegal, but oregano's is good. Um, and yeah, I mean, shout out Jersey Mike's too, I guess, but I just like productive answers on what I have to say. Uh, so in the future, if anybody sees one of my private Snapchat stories, please swipe up and say something productive. Chungus. People said Chungus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of pog chungus. Oh my God. Pog champs, poggers. Oh. It was really messed up. I that's, don't understand that, but poggers, I see it on, tw- on Twitter sometimes. That's poggers. My message to the world is an ode to the Game Master. The Game Master, for those who don't know, is my little brother. His name's Nico Vaca. The Game Master was a nickname born into existence because of his obsession with Fortnite. And he's been playing it for years, and he just, what he would do is he'd take this plastic, you know those white resin chairs, like from the backyard? He would take them, he'd take one, and put it about six feet away from the TV, and just play Fortnite for hours. But the thing is, this kid played for years, and he got his first solo win, like, maybe a month ago. Eh, no, 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 no. Two months ago or something. I was still home. Anyways, though, great guy. He's a very good friend of the show. He's, he's called on a few times. He listened while we were live, when we were in the studio and people could listen to us live. He would listen all the time. And he was actually in my videography project this week, along with Kevin. But, you know, when you're the roommate, you sometimes you got to help. And vice versa, I'm going to help when he's in videography. But... I want to shout out my brother for being in my videography project. He gave me a great interview about Kevin's smoothie making abilities. So that was awesome. Uh, stayed for the weekend, got to experience life in 558. And that was pretty cool. And now he's coming back today. Uh, my whole family's coming out for the weekend. So shout out to the Game Master. You know, thanks for all the help. Thanks for being a support. And uh, looking forward to spending the weekend with you again. Kev, what's your message to the world? The people across the globe in India and Singapore are like, Game Master, Game Master. It's becoming a global phenomenon. 
Kev, uh, what's your message to the world? Mine's going to start off with a little poem I just wrote like 10 seconds ago, and it's going to go from there. It's a, it's a little remix poem. You know I like my chicken fries with a Dr. Pepper on a Sunday night. My Devontae Adams jersey fits just right. And Sunday night football on. I love my chicken fries. I'm glad that we were able to order them the other night. Shout out Zach Brown Band for the little inspiration there. Uh, Burger King. Is this going to be about Burger King? Is this about yeah, Burger King? Yeah, yeah. My soapbox is about Burger King. I was half a second away from doing mine about Burger King. No I'm, way, Kevin. I'm, I, I, my, my soapbox speech goes out to Burger King. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear enough with my little poem. Uh, but yeah, the King is a top two and a not too fast food joint. Uh, that's completely sarcastic. But they come through every time. I've had one bad Burger, exper- Burger King experience in my life, and it was when I walked in to Burger King and I ordered my chicken fries and I saw them microwave them. But every other time since then, it's just been amazing. And I can't wait to try it out. I think Friday we're going again, Pat. Yeah, yeah, Friday. I mean, we're going to go today, but, uh, you know, things got busy. Yeah, yeah. So hitting up Burger King. So the we King. We this show. Priority to the listeners all across the globe. Right, yeah. I just want to know we're a very listener-first show. Mm-hmm. We have a strong dedication to putting out a show because we are committed to you, the listener. And as so, Joey told me before the show that he's pledged to translate every single show we have into different languages that suit our listeners in Singapore and India. So thank you for that, Joe. Awesome for you to do that. I don't know what to say. Um, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate how we can still get such joy from making this show, despite the fact that we can't be together in the studio, but you know what? There's no better way to start off the weekend. We pushed it up a day early because now in podcast form, we record this on Tuesdays, but if you're listening live on Thursday mornings or if what would be live, no, I'm saying if you're listening on Thursday mornings on the radio, Thank you for tuning in, and we'll always be on Blaze Radio Thursday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Listen um, to your friends. Hold on. Have Pat and Joe on Blaze Radio. It's a hell of a time. It's three guys with Mike. Pat, you good there? Yeah, no, hold on. Wait, wait. Don't end it yet. Don't end it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we just did the outro, but I have important news that really infuriates me, and I know we have, like, an extra minute because – Yeah, we, we got, like, we got like two or three minutes or something. Right. Stan Van Gundy mm-hmm. has agreed to a deal to become the next head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. What? Sorry. Is Stan, which Van Gundy Jeff is, is that? Jeff is the broadcaster. Stan's the, the smaller one? The no, one. Stan is the bigger one. Je- they like both, they're the both big, broadcasters. Big like this. Yeah, oh. they're both broadcasters. Which one um, just got hired? Stan. Stan. Wait, anyways, He's have got a good week, people. Very upset. That news just broke to me. Why are you so upset? Oh, no, I like this one better. I like this one better. stinks. Stan no. Jeff's stinks. the man. Jeff is cool. Jeff is cool. But Stan stinks. Anyway. Ah, this guy? Yeah, that that's guy. Jeff. Yeah, I know. I know. I like Jeff Stan. Is the but... man. No, no. He's, but it's going to be unfortunate when he steps away from the booth. There was this tweet because I guess I wasn't watching the game, but during the Eastern Conference Finals, they were reviewing a play for uh, a flagrant foul or something. And part of the terminology and the rules is that it has to be a hostile act. And so it was like, you know, like when it's saying that someone said it, so it was like Mike Breen, they're checking for a hostile act, Mark, Mark Jackson, that's not a hostile act. And then it's Jeff Van Gundy. You know what was a hostile act? 
the Cuban Missile Crisis. And then it was like, <laughs> dot, 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 Mike Breen, Boston Bowl. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, I like Jeff. I don't That's like awesome Stan. Um, anyways, that was a little bonus three guys, one mic for you to uh, end, end this episode. But just there's no better way to start off the weekend all across the globe mm-hmm. than three guys, one mic. So for the listeners on Blaze Radio, like I said, you can find us here every week from 9 to 10 a.m. Thursday mornings. And now we're streaming on uh, through Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to follow along every week. This is Three Guys, One Mike. So for the doctors, Pat Fortuna, Kevin Redfern, I'm Joey Vaca. You have a great week. We'll see you here next time.